Good morning. Um, for those of you who don't know me, my name's Ollie, um, and we are going to start this morning with a bit of a game. So I hope you weren't expecting to just be able to sit there and do nothing, because I need your help. Um, what I'm going to do is, onto the screen behind me are going to appear the first line and the last line of some hopefully fairly well-known books. Um, and your job is to try and work out what the book is. Okay? So the first uh, example that we have is this one here. A mouse took a stroll through the deep, dark wood. The mouse found a nut, and the nut was good. So if you know what it is, uh, I want you to shout it out in three, two, one. There we go. Very good. Excellent. Well done. Here's a second one. Oh, it's a long one. When Mr. Bilbo Baggins of Bag Ends announced that he would shortly be celebrating his 111st birthday with a party of special magnificence, there was much talk and excitement in Hobbiton. Mm. Then, shouldering their burdens, they set off seeking a path that would bring them over the grey hills of that place uh, and down into the land of shadow. So perhaps older members are more likely to get this. What is it? Three, two, one. Yes, yeah, the first one of those. Um, very good. How about this one? These two very old people are the father and mother of Mr. Bucket. Anything to eat, cried Charlie, laughing. Oh, you just wait and see. Three. Oh, that's my boy. That's my boy. <laughs> Is a truth universally acknowledged, some other stuff, had been the means of uniting them. Three, two, one, go. Well done. Gerald was a tall giraffe. We can all dance, he said, when we find music that we love. Who knows this one? Yeah, well done. I'll be honest, I can't remember how many of these there are. In the beginning was the word. But if every one of them were written down, I suppose that even the whole world would not have room for the books that would be written. It is indeed, John. Well, the beginning and end of a story can be quite telling, can't they? But what happens in the middle is also quite important. This morning, um, we're going to move on from what we've been looking at. So over recent weeks, um, you'll know that we've been looking at some of the uh, statements that Jesus made about himself in John's Gospel that start with this little phrase, I am. And these are really profound statements because they tell us not just what Jesus came to do, but who he is. And we're going to look this morning at a couple more of the I am statements of Jesus, a couple more statements that Jesus made about himself, and in fact, some of the last statements that Jesus made about himself, almost definitely on the very last page of your Bible. What I believe that God wants to do amongst us this morning is to inspire us in our mission and to fill our hearts with praise and love of Jesus. Now, I can't do that, but I believe that the Holy Spirit can, and I believe that he wants to this morning. So let's start with prayer, shall we? Jesus, here we are, uh, two or more gathered in your name, so we know that you're amongst us. Father, would you come and reveal yourself to us this morning? Holy Spirit, we welcome you. Would you come and work in our hearts, anoint us, equip us, inspire us, and fill us with worship for Jesus? Amen. Brilliant. So turn with me in your Bibles, please, to uh, Revelation chapter 22, the very last chapter in Scripture. We're going to look at a couple of verses this morning. We're going to dive into them uh, and see what God has to say to us through them. And we're going to start with verse 13. So this is Jesus speaking, revealing himself 
uh, to John, who wrote this down for us. Uh, it says this, I am the Alpha and the Omega, the first and the last, the beginning and the end. Three different ways of saying kind of much the same thing, really. Uh, our children have got a, a sheet in their packs this morning to be kind of decorating as I'm talking and thinking about this. What's Jesus saying here? He says, I'm the Alpha, the first letter of the Greek alphabet. And I'm also the omega, the last letter of the Greek alphabet. Or to put it another way, I'm the A to Z of everything. There was no time before Jesus, and nothing will outlast Jesus. He is the beginning and the end of everything. I don't know if you ever had that experience of standing in a really old building. Um, I get this particularly if I go to a cathedral. And considering the people who used the building before you, uh, maybe even thinking about the person who put one stone on top of another stone. Those people are now long forgotten by history and in fact were forgotten before we were even born. And sometimes you get the feeling standing there looking at these solid constructions, these solid stones. Actually, man, this place is going to outlast me as well. See, as humans, we don't find it that difficult, I don't think, to accept that there was a world before us and that there will most likely be a world after us too. But that's not the case with Jesus. The Bible is clear. There was no BC. There was no time before him. That's why John's gospel starts with these very famous words. In the beginning, in other words, before there was this stuff around us, before there was even time, in the beginning was the word, Jesus. And the word was with God, and the word was God. He was with God in the beginning. Through him, all things were made. Without him, nothing was made that has been made. Everything that we see around us was created through him. He is line one of page one of chapter one of history. He's the A to Z. He's the author. There was nothing before him. That's why he can make baffling statements like the one we looked at just a few weeks ago, John 8, verse 58. Very truly, I tell you, Jesus answered, before Abraham was born, I am. I am there claiming for himself the name that God used to describe himself when he revealed himself to Moses way back in the book of Exodus. Have you ever noticed that I am, that name that God used to describe himself, is in present tense? Present tense is at the heart of who God is. Why? Because Jesus is the Alpha. He was there before there was time, and he's the Omega. He'll still be there when time finishes. Present tense is part of who God is. There was no time before him, and everything was created through him, and it was created good. In fact, the Bible says that God looked at it all and said, it's very good. One of the great understatements uh, of biblical history. Into that, story, onto that planet God put humans, onto a planet that was specifically designed to support life. In fact, more than that, to make life fruitful and abundant and productive. It was beautiful. And look at what we've done to the place. Yes, there's still great beauty, and we praise God for his creation. But because of human sin, because of human injustice, because of human selfishness, we've been left and we've created for ourselves for ourselves, a world where the oceans are choked with pollution, where the air in our cities is toxic, where our climate is changed beyond our control. We're living through a pandemic that was most likely caused by human reckless over-exploitation of the natural world. And in the middle of that, access to life-saving medicines and vaccines is woefully unevenly distributed internationally. People die of obesity in one country, and people die of starvation in another country on the same day. 
evil godless ideologies don't just uh, persist, it seems as though they prevail. And you only have to pick up a newspaper and look at page one of it today and you'll see that. On a more local level, relationships break down. Children live in homes that are not safe for them. People get stuck in cycles of addiction. People are judged on the color of their skin or the way that they sound. And I don't know about you, but I found myself sometimes looking at this world that seems almost irredeemably broken and wondering, where is the hope in all of this? I mean, if Jesus is really the Alpha and the Omega, if he's the A to Z of history, if he's the author of everything, then is this really the story that he wanted to write? And how does it end? Well, we get an answer to that last question back in that chapter in Revelation, Revelation 22. We're just going to skip back one verse to verse 12. Look, says Jesus, I am coming soon. My reward is with me, and I will give to each person according to what they have done. Because I'm the alpha, I was there at the beginning, but I'm also the omega, I'm the end. What does he mean when he says he's coming soon? Well, the Bible gives us a few little hints about what to expect uh, as the world moves towards the time when he comes again. But those hints are given to reassure us. They're there to make sure that we understand that there's nothing to worry about, that God is in control of it all. They're not there for us to waste our lives trying to meticulously predict the hour and the day at which he's going to return. And the reason I describe that as a waste of our life is that Jesus himself doesn't know when he's coming back. And so it will be a waste of time for us to try and work it out. What else do we know about him coming again? We know that he's going to restore and fix everything. And we also know from this verse right here that he's bringing rewards with him. And that he's going to listen to these words. He's going to pay back. He's going to give to each person according to what they have done. How do you feel about that? Is there anyone who, like me, just feels a little bit daunted by that idea? See, I know what I've done. I know that there are times in my life when I've acted with integrity and honesty, when I've brought glory to God, when I've told somebody about him or when I've shown love to him. And I guess you could call that my success list. Uh, And I also know that there are times when I've acted without integrity and I've acted dishonestly and I've not brought glory to God. I've missed opportunities to show his love. And you could call those things and many others beside my failure list. And I can't be the only person in this room who knows that my failure list is longer than my success list. So is that the story of history? When Jesus says, I'm the Alpha and Omega, does he mean at the beginning I created a perfect world for you and I put you in it and you've degraded it and ruined it until the point when I return and pay back according to what you've done, which must surely mean your total destruction. Is this actually a terrible tragedy? Well, no, it isn't. Because a couple of thousand years ago, the author wrote himself into the pages. And as Jesus was hung on the cross, my failure list was transferred from my account onto his account. And if you're a believer this morning, the same is true of you. When he laid in the tomb, there in the tomb with him was my failure list, were my failures, my sins, past, present, and future, and yours also. And when three days later the stone was rolled away and the king of life rose out of that tomb, dead and broken and gone forever were my failures. So what does my account look like now? Well, my failure list is empty. There's nothing in that box. You can't write in there. The ink doesn't show up. Isn't that glorious? So do we need to be scared about about Jesus coming soon? Well, no, we don't. When he comes, we will hear him declaring us blameless. We We will hear him saying, what this person has done is my righteousness. That's magnificent. 
And when I think about these things, when I think about the fact that Jesus is the Alpha and the Omega, the writer of history, when I think about the fact that he was sovereign over all of it, and yet he wrote himself in to deal with my failure so that when he comes again, I don't need to be scared of that. When I think about that, my heart wants to worship. And we're going to do that exactly now. So we're not going to do that with singing. Um, We're going to do that by speaking out words of praise and adoration to him. So this is practically how um, I would like that to work. Um, If you turn into groups of maybe uh, something like four to six, doesn't matter if it's a few more or a few less, um, we're going to pray together. If you've got your children with you, involve them in this. If you're watching at home, this is an opportunity for you to pray as well. It's not a time for uh, prayers, asking God for stuff. This is a time for us to just speak out our worship of him. A couple more bits of practical uh, housekeeping. If you're not used to praying out loud, there's no obligation to do so. But please know also that you don't need to pray long, articulate prayers. A few simple prayers of adoration bless the heart of our God. And secondly, just before you start praying, can you just have a little look around you and check that no one's been left, nobody's been left out? So I'm going to go and pray with my family. Um, we're going to have a little bit of uh, music in the background, uh, and then I'm going to come back up and I'll close our time of prayer, and I've got a few more words to share as well. Great. I'm sorry to interrupt people praying. It seems like a very bad thing to do, but I've got a few more things that, that I feel God wants to say to us. So keep hold of those thoughts. You can, you can always get back into those groups and pray again at the end if you want to. So let's recap. What have we seen? Right at the beginning, there was, uh, Jesus said, I'm the Alpha. I was there at the beginning and, and I made this world to be perfect. It was very good. And at the end, Jesus is coming back and he's going to restore everything. He's going to fix everything that's broken. He's going to wipe every tear from every eye. Hallelujah. <laughs> there will be an end to pain. There'll be an end to disease, an end to hardship, an end to poverty, an end to suffering. Everything will be better than it's ever been before. But what about now? What about the middle? I mean, when Jesus said, I'm the Alpha and the Omega, I'm the A to Z, did he literally mean I'm A and I'm Z, but I'm not really any of the letters in between? You can kind of get on with it yourself in that bit. Is our job as believers simply to cling to him as tightly as we possibly can and hope that we're still there when he comes back and fixes everything while we wait for the world to fall around apart around us? Well, let's have a little tour through scripture and see if that seems like the character of our God, shall we? Judges 6 verse 12, God talking to Gideon, am I not sending you? 1 Samuel 16 verse 1, God to Samuel, be on your way, I am sending you. Isaiah 6 verse 8, God to Isaiah, whom shall I send? Isaiah replied, here I am, send me. God said, then go. 1 Kings 19 verse 15, God to Elijah, go to the desert of Damascus. Jonah 1 verse 2, God to Jonah, go to the city. Acts 9 verse 11, God to Ananias, go to the house of Judah. Are you getting the message? See, God is in control of the middle in the same way that he was in control of the beginning and will be in control of the end. There are literally countless examples in scripture of times when God has looked at this world and decided I'm breaking in there with my kingdom. I'm going to change things there. And more often than not, the way that he seeks to do that is by choosing one of his followers, choosing one of his supporters, one of his uh, believers, someone who loves him and sending them 
And I believe that he's saying the same thing to us this morning. Can you hear him saying it to you? Go, am I not sending you? Am I not sending you to speak truth where truth is needed? Am I not sending you to care for my world? Am I not sending you to tell someone about me or to show my love to somebody? Am I not sending you to the classroom, to the office, to the laboratory, to the boardroom? Am I not sending you to the street, bus stop, the train station? Am I not sending you to the cafe and the pub and the restaurant? Do we really know who we are? Jesus said, you're the salt of the earth. You're the light of the world. You're a city on a hill. See, Jesus is not simply the alpha and the omega. He's all of the letters in between. But in his glorious plan, in his plan of incredible mercy and wisdom, very often the way that he uh, reaches that bit in between is to use us. There is hope for this world. And it looks like the people in this room, spirit-empowered people going out into the world and carrying the light of Jesus with them. And that's a massive privilege But it's also a massive responsibility, and it's not going to be easy. So what's the motivation for that? What keeps us going? Is it the fact that we know that Jesus is coming soon and he's bringing rewards with him? Well, maybe. But if you've ever worked a job that you hate, you will know that there can be a significant difference between rewards and motivation. Um, Let me tell you a short story. When I was saving up to go to university, so I guess I'd have been 18, um, I spent a few days doing what is by quite some distance the worst job I've ever done in my life. It was truly horrible. So I was washing up um, pots and pans in a private school kitchen. Um, I'm not going to tell you which one, but it wasn't the one here in Bishop Stortford. Um, It was awful. It was really hot. It was kind of steamy and sticky. Everything was covered in a kind of thin film of greasy grime. There was far too much work to do. Um, The water was boiling hot. It was painful. And the chef was one of those truly horrible people who only really communicate with anybody by shouting at them. Um, I hated it. Never in my life has there ever been an eight-hour period where I've checked the clock as many times as I did when I was doing that. I had this thing where I would say, if I could get to half an hour, then I can calculate how much money I've earned at this point. See, I had been, I was being rewarded I think it was £5 an hour minus national insurance contributions, but I definitely wasn't motivated. I dragged myself through that awful experience, hoping to get to the reward at the end. And I don't believe that that's how God wants his people to live. The motivation for us is much less likely to be the reward that we know from Scripture Jesus is bringing with him, and much more likely to be the fact that we know the one who is the Alpha and the Omega. We know the one who saved us. He wants to have a personal relationship with each of us. And in any case, when he comes, and he promises that he will, when he comes, our greatest reward is going to be that we will see him face to face, that we will hear his voice declaring each of us to be blameless. That's the motivation. That's the thing that should drive us. So yes, he's the alpha and the omega. He's the A to Z of history, but he wants to be the alpha and omega of your heart and your life as well. He wants to be your first love. He wants to be your main passion, the thing that gets you out of bed in the morning. He's our passion. He's our reward. He's our motivation. So on the one hand, we recognize the the significant privilege and responsibility that it is to be his hands and his feet to this world, to be the ones that he has chosen in the middle between Alpha and Omega. We recognize that, and we recognize also that we can't do that on our own. So we pray for the empowering and the equipping and the anointing of the Holy Spirit. 
But at the same time, we recognize that the only permanent, perfect solution to the problems of this world is when Jesus comes again. And the Bible ends, in fact, with a prayer. Simply this. Amen. Come, Lord Jesus. Now, I've been on a bit of a journey with this prayer, actually, over recent months. Um, If I'm honest, for most of my life, I've really struggled with this prayer. I've known it's in the Bible, and I've known it's something that I should pray and should want to pray. But I haven't really ever been very comfortable with it. The truth is that when Jesus comes again, everything that's currently hidden will be revealed. For those who don't yet know Jesus, it will be too late. And everything that we see around us will pass away and be replaced, the Bible says. And I think for those reasons, I've found myself feeling quite nervous and uncomfortable about praying that prayer. I've done it, but I haven't really wanted to do it. But I feel that God has been working in my heart over recent months with this. I've increasingly come to realize, maybe it's reading the news over the last couple of years, but I I believe that it's God in me. I've increasingly come to realize that this world desperately, desperately needs King Jesus. And he needs King Jesus right now through our spirit-empowered work around us, but this world also needs King Jesus as the permanent solution. I found myself praying with increasing fervor and increasing integrity, actually, come Lord Jesus. Can I encourage you, if you, like me, struggle with this prayer, if you struggle with what it actually means, then spend some time with him processing, why am I finding that difficult? Why am I finding that challenging? Why am I not excited to pray this? And if, unlike me, you have always found this an easy prayer to pray, then can I encourage you not to forget to pray this? This is a biblical idea. It's a biblical principle, and it's a biblical perspective. Jesus is coming soon. He's the Alpha, and he's the Omega. He was the beginning. He will be the end, and he's totally in control of the middle as well, and he is coming soon. Let's pray, shall we? Why don't you just take a moment to consider what are you going to do with what you've heard this morning? What's God been talking to you about? Is there something that you need to commit now to him that you're going to, that you're going to seek to do? Is there, is there something that you need to consider and pray further? Jesus, we thank you. We thank you that all of history is yours. We thank you that you're sovereign over every single thing that happens, that nothing is beyond you. Nothing is outside of your control. Nothing is outside of your sovereignty. We thank you that you rescued us. And we thank you, God, that you have chosen to use us, that you are saying those words to each one of us, go, am I not sending you? God, we ask for the equipping and the anointing of the Holy Spirit for that, for that privileged role that you've given to us. And yes, Lord, we look forward to the day when you return and we say, come, Lord Jesus. Amen.